Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. At the southern end of the San Francisco Bay, not far from Fremont, you'll find a cluster of abandoned buildings straight out of the wild, wild west. Out in the middle of the marsh is a ghost town called Drawbridge. That's right, here in the Bay Area, home of skyrocketing rents and home prices, a small town sits completely empty. Passengers of the ACE train, which passes by several times a day, are some of the few who get a close-up look at the town that once was. Today, you'll get a close-up look, too. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. Reporter Jessica Placek took a hike out to the town with this week's question asker, John Aird. Well, it's a wonderful day here with Jessica. We're going on our little adventure, walking out to the uh, drawbridge overlook. John and I walked in the wind along levees, passing an abandoned kayak and birds like cormorants and Canadian geese. Well, we're in the middle of a slough, (laughs) that's for sure, to our backs. It's the southern part of the bay, and looking east is this huge expanse of uh, grass. After walking almost an hour, we finally make it to the lookout. And across the water, we see the town. But we have to stop here because going into the town is illegal. Well, we can see one building here. You can see a couple over there. The town's on a skinny island that's less than a mile long. And the only way to get to the town is by boat or on the railroad tracks that cross over the water. From the lookout, you can see the town through binoculars. You can see some of the buildings are sloped over and others. The roof is entirely collapsed. These two dozen or so abandoned buildings bring us to John's question. I'd like to know more about Drawbridge. So that's my question. Anything about the history and why it was created and uh, when it became a ghost town? The answer goes back to the late 1800s when San Franciscans found themselves with free time and wanting to go on vacation. And where might they want to go? For foggy city dwellers, the sexy beaches of Santa Cruz. According to Seal Craig, co-author of an upcoming book on Drawbridge, the problem was it took a lot of 
effort to get there. So if they went by stagecoach, it would take them a couple days down through the peninsula. The trip cost more than $40. That would be about $900 today to get to Santa Cruz. Sometimes it was paid in gold. Two men saw the forking over of money and thought it would be a good business opportunity. So these two guys, Slippery Jim Fair and Hog Davis. Fair was a politician and... Alfred or Hog Davis owned a meatpacking plant. Together, they formed a railroad company, the South Pacific Coast Railroad, which in several hours would ferry San Franciscans to Alameda, then put them on a train all the way down to Santa Cruz. However, it wasn't easy to build. They had this uh, challenge because if they went all the way on land, that makes a very long railroad. To make it shorter, they decided to lay tracks across some marshlands at the south end of the bay. Part of the tracks would cross over an island. And that meant they were crossing two major waterways. Waterways with a lot of boat traffic. So their solution was that they were going to have a bridge that would turn. Two bridges, actually. It was never a drawbridge. It never went up and down like this. It was always a, a turn bridge. So, you know, the center of the, of the waterway, the bridge would turn. So they were always swing bridges. Yeah, drawbridge is a misnomer. The town should be called Swing Bridge. Still not sure why they did that. This was in 1876, and the swing bridges needed to be opened manually. There was a bridge tender. George Munderscheitz was the first bridge tender. In the beginning, Munderscheitz was alone. Really alone. Except for... <laughs> ducks. Lots and lots of ducks. The area was covered with pristine marshlands and high grasses perfect for the birds. And even if people didn't want to hang out with mundershites, they definitely wanted to hang out with the birds <coughs> to shoot them. The muddy waters were also teeming with shrimp and fish, so outdoorsmen started coming to drawbridge in droves. And when these hunters and fishers got tired, they'd give Mundershites 50 cents to spend the night. From there, drawbridge grew. And the Gordon Gun Club was the second thing built after the station tender's cabin. The train started making regular stops in town, and hunting cabins popped up all over the island. During this period of time, independent spirits or no police, no mayor, no city council, nothing like that. Because of this, the town developed a reputation for prostitution and gambling. But in interviews, former residents don't talk about that. Instead, they wax on about idyllic rural living and hunting. Lots of hunting. Before limits were imposed, people would fill small cannons with shot, nails, and chains to kill hundreds of birds in a single go. <laughs> when you look at what's happening nowadays, you know, it's a shame that they were allowed to shoot that many birds, really. This is Roger Batnich, a former resident interviewed for the documentary Drawbridge. But for uh, entertainment, why, I used to stomp around this marsh. Uh, marsh, I had a BB gun in my early days, and I used to hunt clapper rails, uh, which is a, an endangered species now. But believe me, in those days, there was a lot of them here, and they were just like eating uh, fried chicken. By the 1920s, the town of Drawbridge was in its heyday. There were about 90 houses, many of them on stilts and with their own rowboats. Five passenger trains stopped at the town each day, bringing visitors to shoot, fish, relax, and booze, despite prohibition. On the weekends, the small island's population would swell to 600. And a number of families lived there full-time. Their kids would have to walk along three miles of train track to get to school. 
but soon began the town's demise. Now this whole stretch here, which used to be marsh, is now salt pots. To manufacture salt on a grand scale, a lot of marshland was destroyed, and there were water quality issues. Newark, Fremont, and San Jose were putting their sewage directly into those two creeks without any kind of processing. Gross, for humans and birds alike. And as the South Bay population grew, more people were tapping the aquifer, which is bad because the wells began to fill with salt and dry up. And so the gist of it is they couldn't get water, so they had to bring it in by train. With less water in the water table, the town began to sink. And according to the documentary, as the tides rose and fell, sometimes they'd rise a little too high. It is a matter of record that Mrs. Pat Evans, cooking at a dinner party with galoshes on, had a fish swim in and out of her kitchen one evening. With fewer birds, polluted water, and a sinking town, people stopped coming. By 1963, there were fewer than five residents. Making it worse for those residents, local newspapers wrote that Drawbridge was a ghost town. That attracted some unsavory characters. People would come out and do inappropriate things. Thefts, vandalism, going through people's houses, things like that, burning them down. So it just became a little dangerous. One character, he came in there when I he broke the door. I was inside. This is Charles Luce in an interview from the documentary Drawbridge. And uh, that's why put the shotgun right between his shoulder blades. I said, don't move. I made him lie down on the floor. But what went through my mind at that particular time is, what if he won't lie down? Will I shoot him? That'd be murder. <laughs> he was the last resident of the town and lived alone out there for years. Why I stayed out there and put up with this junk is beyond, I don't know why I put up with it. Well, yes, I do. I just like the environment down there. and I, But the only thing is I can't tell you what I liked about it. He finally left in 1979. And by that point, the town was a designated wildlife refuge. Nowadays, the only way to go through the town is on a train that does not stop. Drawbridge is just for the birds. No hunting allowed. Reporter Jessica Plotchek. Drawbridge is a place that you really have to see to appreciate, so we made you guys a video. It features some epic drone footage. The video was produced by Adam Grossberg and Jessica Plotchek. Find it on our website, baycurious.org. If you've been digging the Bay Curious podcast, do us a solid and share it with a friend. We're also looking for your questions about California politics and government. Shoot us your questions at baycurious.org. Thanks to Will Zavala, the director of the documentary Drawbridge, and Seal Craig, who is writing a book with Anita Goldwasser on Drawbridge that will be out later this year. Big thanks to our question asker, John Aird, who took a long hike in the marshes for this story. Bay Curious is made by KQED in San Francisco. Yeah, got it. Okay, cool. Thanks for listening. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? 
Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Thanks.